Hey everybody, uh, this is Tim Stafford. Real quick before we get to the uh, uh, the meat and potatoes of today's episode, I just wanted to pop in real quick and make sure that you guys have uh, a reminder and some details for the next heated conversation, which is actually coming up this Friday, February 7th. Uh, the event is titled, Will the 2020 Election Divide the Church? Um, our very own Tim Gombas, who you guys are all familiar with, is coming into Orange County to be there to talk about this topic with uh, a moderator named Paul Martin. And uh, I think it's gonna be a rad conversation. Obviously, you guys have gotten some little tidbits, some little uh, tasty morsels from Gombas in regards to uh, faith and politics in the past. This is an opportunity, if you're in the Orange County area, to come and uh, hear him go in a little bit more depth, to ask questions. It is a, it's an event where, where the audience members can interact and ask questions while they're there. Uh, the event is free. However, uh, you need to register and get tickets uh, because space is limited. So if you haven't done so yet, do so quickly. You can find Heated on Instagram at Heated Convo, H-E-A-T-E-D-C-O-N-V-O. And uh, from there, you can uh, hit the link in their bio, and uh, you can get uh, you can register for tickets. So you guys should all come out and hang out. I'm gonna fly down and be there. Um, I think I'm gonna be playing music beforehand, warming up the crowd. Uh, love to see you. Love to meet you. So come on down, Orange County, heated this Friday, February seventh at seven p.m. Tickets in the bio at Heated Convo. Hopefully, I'll see you there. All right, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Vox Podcast. Bonnie Lewis and Tim Stafford here in Austin, Texas and Auburn, California, respectively. And we have a very special guest. Bonnie, would you please introduce our guest? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. Um, We are joined today with my new friend, Jenny Smith. So uh, Jenny and I met back in October. We both went to um, a communication event of Rob Bell's in um, L.A., and Jenny was there, and I was just so intrigued to meet her. She is a fellow woman in ministry, but in a different denomination. And she has her own story that we want to talk to her about today and sort of just unravel a few things. So, Jenny, thank you so much for being here. And you're calling in from Seattle, right? Yes. So glad to be here. Awesome. Well, why don't you give the listeners, tell us just like, High view, who you are, what you like to do for fun, married kids, etc. You got it. Yeah, my name is Jenny and I'm 37 and a half. I will okay. claim the half <laughs> like my my five and eight year old will. I've uh, been married almost 15 years to Aaron. Oh, that's awesome. So, so long for us. He's a woodworker here north of just north of Seattle. And oh, that sounds uh, perfect. Isn't yeah. it? It's a perfect I don't job. Know if, it, it feels like that area, like woodwork. I feel like I thought about that while I was just <laughs> up there. Like, yeah, everything's so woody and beautiful. It is. It's supernatural. And so we try to bring that out. It's yeah, he's he's so good at it. Um, yeah, I have an eight year old, Isabella, who just turned eight on New Year's Eve. And Wesley is five. And he starts kindergarten this fall. So my oh, whole my life goodness. will change. Yes. And, 
Yeah, born in Ohio. I'm an Ohio State Buckeye. And oh my all- gosh, too bad Mike's not here. He would be so thrilled. <laughs> oh, Mike loves the Buckeyes. Mike's <laughs> uh, Mike's Patronus is the Ohio State Buckeye defensive line. Defensive line. Oh, yeah, we had a Patronus oh. episode. What was mine? Oh, a dolphin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. That's so, awesome. oh my gosh, do you are you a fan of Harry Potter, Jenny? I am not. I haven't ever gotten into that. Jenny, Yet. that's okay because there's always time. There's always time. So you can always dig in whenever that feels yeah. right for you. So Jenny, you are a uh, pastor. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. And on the Methodist um, denomination, and just for folks that don't know, so a lot of our listeners, like I told you, um, are either evangelical um, still or have just come out of e- evangelicalism. But can you talk to us a little bit about the Methodist denomination, like in your words, sort of what sets you apart? And even in your own journey, what drew you to that denomination? Yeah, great question. Yeah, the United Methodist Church tradition, uh, one, I would kind of say I didn't have a choice. In some ways, I grew up in it. And my dad is a United Methodist pastor, just retired after 40 years. And so definitely, you know, those first couple decades, that was going to be where I went to church. Mm -hmm. And then I married my husband and it turns out his dad is also United Methodist pastor. Oh, so you were really (laughs) sort of in it then. So like just drinking (laughs) the water. Um, But I did have this season in seminary. I felt a call to go to seminary or felt a call to be a pastor when I was 17. So then after undergrad, mm-hmm. took a year or two off and then went to seminary in my late 20s and had this moment where I thought, our, there was a little bit of a train wreck in our denomination. I'm sure that's never a problem in the circles you all no. run in. No, it's never. smooth sailing. Smooth and so this will be interesting. No, good. Yeah, yeah, like this was when I was in seminary and we were always arguing over everything, mm-hmm. especially around human sexuality. And I just thought, what is, like, is this worth working mm. in this world? And so I did what any seminary student did. I checked out a video camera from our <laughs> school and I went to our general conference. It's like our national gathering every four years. Yeah. And I just went around the hallways interviewing everyone I could get to say yes, asking them, why are you a part of this denomination? What gives you hope? Why are you mm. still in this? And by the time I finished editing all that, I was like, okay. I'm in. Wow. United Methodist, like United Methodists are people. Um, John Wesley is is very much the founder of who we are of this reform movement in England that then came to the U.S. a couple hundred years ago, and very much all about grace. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing they really hold is that we don't check our head at the door, and so mm-hmm. they really hold together our head and our heart, and that social witness, social justice is very much a part of our faith. You can't get the personal without the social outward aspect. Mm -hmm. And so all of that together just always called to me. Mm, That's beautiful. Talk talk to me about what that looks like, not holding, like not checking your head at the door. I'm fascinated Mm. by that. Um, I've been to many churches, not just in evangelical, but like other ones too, where it hasn't felt like that. And me being somebody that really likes to study and um, use my head in my faith. Like even sometimes I think more so than my heart. Um, Mm. I, that has been a rough spot for me. So what, what is that? Like, how does that play out? Yeah. I remember back to my confirmation class when I was 13 years old, 
Now, granted, my dad was my confirmation teacher. So, you know, that's kind of goes either way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, am I going to argue with my dad? I don't know. (laughs) But um, I was definitely taught and by him and by our church growing up that God could handle our doubt. Mm. That God was big enough for my anger, my wondering, my questions, my struggle. Mm. And so I always grew up that faith was really strong, that God, Mm. God was tough Mm -hmm. and that my pulling the thread on some of my beliefs to see what might unravel underneath was never a bad thing. Mm. And that it so often led to a stronger faith because Mm. I actually had wrestled with it. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating to grow up with that um, outlook at such a young age. Because, like, one of the things we always talk about is that in the evangelical church, especially, doubts aren't welcome. And we, yeah, I, was say, I was in my 30s when that was starting to get reconciled. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was. And, like, doubts weren't welcome. And, like you said, sort of unraveling to uh, pulling on the thread to see what would unravel. Um, I can't tell you the amount of times we've seen pastors say that. Um, and when they say it though, and Tim, maybe you can agree with me on this one, but like, um, that episode we did where we interviewed, was it Marty or we talked about, was it Marty Sampson when he was saying like, I just have all these doubts and questions and like immediately the church jumps on him as like, oh gosh, you don't believe like your entire faith is unraveling. It's like this big sort of problem. Um, so gosh, what a gift to be given that permission at such a young age. Yeah. 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 And now I, yeah. Yeah. And now I'm serving in churches where some of our primary ministry is simply being present to people who were always told they couldn't ever wrestle and question. So sometimes Mm. it almost feels like all we're doing is wrestling and questioning, which is still healthy because we still have this really strong foundation of, Hey, here's all the things that we can challenge. Let's challenge them together. And underneath that bedrock, we still, God still exists for us. Love is still here, but let's keep putting some new language and some new experience to who God is for us. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. What did you, what did you end up doing with the, uh, all the video footage? Yeah. <laughs> can we see that? Jay? It is hidden away somewhere. Oh my gosh. I just started a new YouTube channel for a podcast. I want to start later this year. And and I had, I resurrected some of it. Oh, yeah. 2008. It looks rough. <laughs> I love I love you're so dear to my heart that you just said you resurrected it. I'm always saying Bible language for normal things, and you you just made me feel so normal. Oh, awesome. Um. Well, so um, the way that you're um describing this now, like the people in your congregation, tell me what that's like. Tell me what it's like to be a a woman pastor um, in your space. Um, for me, it in the evangelical tradition, and our listeners have heard this, so I'll just say it fast because we don't need to like drag it out, but it's it's been rough. Women aren't um, accepted as pastors. Like there's a huge debate over it, which you know about, but even then, like it's really not um, sort of this freedom tale. So what has it been like for you? Um, I would love to meet a woman who was, it was thriving. Um, but I also am under no guys, like some of these things, like you said, um, you know, our, our denomination is imperfect. Like some of these things are human problems. So, um, I just would love to hear your story about that. What, what has it been like? Yeah. yeah Cause we've had a lot of stories on here recently as we've kind of been digging through and then, you know, while we're digging through uh, how women in leadership have been viewed and treated, things like the Beth Moore 
situation, different things all kind of popped up in the middle of that. So we've been spending a lot of time. I don't know if you saw Bonnie and Mike spoke at the uh, heated event about mm-hmm. why they changed their minds about women in leadership. And so it's been a long conversation that we've, we've been having and we were really excited to get um, some female voices that are doing it and are thriving and are like in that position and in that role. And so just as a framework for kind of where we have been over the last, I don't know, six months or or so. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So again, I grew up in a tradition and denomination where that was accepted from day one. Mm -hmm. And now there were nuances to that that aren't. So, I mean, now again, I'm 37. I was lead pastor at my church when I turned 33 was the first time that I, I had been an associate for about five years before that with senior pastors, all male senior pastors who gave me incredible amounts of authority and respect and gave me the world when it came to the ministry. And so I still get the phone calls and wait, you're the senior pastor. Like that still happens, but honestly, that's like the most. Um, So I was just born into this thing where I felt this call and this stirring at 17 years old and I didn't have the baggage. I didn't have the walls there that would already put this other narrative in my head that said I wasn't worthy. Now I still had to wrestle my own junk like we all do about worthy of the call, but I didn't have the female one. Mm, It never mm -hmm. really entered into the conversation. And so what's interesting now I'm learning in leadership as I continue to grow in my own sense of call is that I actually am learning that there's this, you know, like male spirit and female spirit to leadership Mm -hmm. and that we both have these different elements and characteristics. So what I'm actually learning about being a woman in leadership is that I early on identified, well, most men in leadership have this power. And so if I want to succeed and be accomplished, then I should lead like them. Mm, And what I've been looking for for the last five or six years are women in more complex settings than me because I'm so fascinated how the women are leading. Yeah, We have to lead in the same way. So what I'm fascinated now is what I feel like I am practicing now and finding some fruit in is how does a woman lead well and how Mm -hmm. does she thrive in her own unique way? And that is so fun to uncover and to feel like I've got the support of all of these men around me who say, you do lead differently and maybe we actually are ready for some of that Mm, gosh that would be like how like i was gonna say healing but um um what a gift like to have this perspective of um we need both right Um, because usually we swing right like it's either all men or then out of anger or um sadness or whatever it might be like no we don't need the men we just need the woman we just need the women but to say like, hey, we're co like we're co leaders here, and we need both. Yes. Um, yeah. So that reminds me so much um, when men and women co lead of that passage in Ezekiel, um, Ezekiel thirty seven, when it's the Valley of Dry Bones, and it uses um, the masculine pronoun for Yahweh, and then it uses the feminine pronoun for Spirit. And when we include that uh, feminine picture in there, we see like this uh, masculine and feminine kind of this push and pull and they're working together. It's just like such a beautiful picture of what can happen when both seats are at the table. Um, And so I really love that. Like what a cool thing for you to be able to embark on that. And I think you're right. There is, I often have seen 
and we see it all the time, but women lead, um, and part of it in, in more of a, a masculine space or even like a masculine way, only because it's what we have an example of. Especially, I think, in the evangelical church, like I can often think I was always like, I don't know who I look up to in that way. I don't <laughs> I don't know anybody. There hasn't been anybody that's come before me. So what a beautiful gift that you hold that not only have you received that, but you get to give that to your children and your congregation as well. Yeah. One of the coolest things that we did a year or so ago, we had this district retreat. So there were 60, 50 or 60 clergy, men and women, all generations, and they invited myself and a few of our colleagues to put together this day. And it was all about vulnerability and sharing. Mm. And let's talk about the competition and comparison and isolation Mm. and cynicism in ministry with our Mm. colleagues. And I went first and Mm. shared my stuff and shared my stories of feeling like I'm in competition with my colleagues Mm -hmm. and that we're not human and that we always have to hold each other in arm's length. And then by the end of the day, we passed a mic around and took turns standing up and we finished this statement. If you really knew me, Mm. you would know. Yeah. And then we watched as men and women, all generations took turns answering that. And in that moment, all of my competition, men and women became so human. Mm-hmm. And it was a powerful example of, okay, here's what this more feminine spirit of leadership can bring mm-hmm. uh, to the table. It was really yeah. good. That's awesome. That is really cool. So um, talk to me about what it is, how you say some of the ways that you are uncovering that. What are you doing now? What's different? What um, would you say is like, gosh, I really have found some fruit here, as you said earlier. Yeah, I have... This one's interesting because on one hand, like I'll say this and then I'll backtrack, but here's what I would say. Um, when I have run in circles with a lot of other male leadership, I, we, we throw around the word ego and it means a lot. There's a whole lot in that word. Ego is a good thing. And also there's this shadow side to it where this thing is more about us than it is about faith and spirituality and God. And I, I would like to think on my best days, what I bring to the table is a fairly low sense of ego mm. that, um, that I'm very much team oriented, very collaborative. Let's everyone's gifts on the table. Let's do this together. And yeah, someone's got to lead sometimes and make the hard call, but this partnership and that I think has been a really wonderful thing to bring. I have a really big passion around a contemplative stance called palms mm. up. That yeah, has, talk to us about that. Tell us about that. How you yeah. it, what it is. Cause I think yeah, yeah. it would be, so interested. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned it uh, from two people and then put it together and it became a thing. And so Dr. Elaine Heath is a fantastic scholar and leader in our, in my, in a lot of circles I ran in and she developed and pulled from someone else, this contemplative stance and it has four steps to it. First we show up and then we pay attention. We cooperate with God And then we release the outcome. Mm. And then a few years later, I read Bob Goff's book, Love Does. Mm -hmm. And in there, he tells this awesome story about, you know, being in a deposition with a client and saying, hey, when you're nervous, I want you to put your hands under the table on your knees, palms up, because it's impossible to feel defensive if your hands are open. Mm. And he talked about, you know, like if seriously, if I see you close up your hands in fear, I'm going to kick you under the table. Mm -hmm. 
And so the more I thought about that, I don't know if he said it or someone else did, but the position of our body often mm. reflects the position of our heart. Mm. And so somewhere along the line, like a good preacher knows a good phrase when they see one. Yeah. Palms, exactly. palms up. I'm like, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. So for the last decade, I've just been practicing it and preaching it in my own little circles. And it's been transformational. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Part of my story is a lot of um, high functioning anxiety and panic attacks. And I would get for them you when personally? I was Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me. And when I would get them when I was preaching, mm. that was the worst, worst, worst. Like while you're actually in the middle of yes. preaching. Yeah. Yes. I mean, here I am 33 years old yeah. and in this very like new role, new authority, new power, yeah. trying to prove to everyone that I could do this. I mean, that just yeah. had the makings for a breakdown. <laughs> and and then we had our presidential election and no matter what way you saw that, it's been stressful. Yeah. And so all of that just, I hit the wall and started to have all these panic attacks. And so the palms up method has that and tons of therapy has right. helped me like go deeper and deeper and deeper because it, yeah. it's just this beautiful rhythm. Oh, yeah. I love that. And I appreciate your vulnerability there. Um, I'll admit, I often like when I hear, and I suffer from anxiety and some depression and some OCD, which is so fun. Um, but I've gotten a lot of help through e- <laughs> through EMDR um, yes. therapy. Yeah, I've done tons of talk therapy, but EMDR is like, re- and you know what's funny is we had an episode on mental illness and we all kind of talked about our struggles and it was our listeners that were like, you should try EMDR. So I'm like, okay. And I did, and it has changed me. It has changed me for sure. Um, but when I, I would love to, if we could pause for a minute there on saying like when you said like I'm 33 and I'm preaching and I'm having to prove myself and I heard you say the words isolation and fear when I see so like in the evangelical church we're just discussing this is it feels like it's an epidemic of like this head male pastor and it's just as male because we're evangelicals but (laughs) I mean right um (laughs) and there's so much um authority and like Tim what's the word what am I looking for um like people expect him to be a certain somebody all the time and it's so isolating Mm -hmm. and so um mental illness is just like running rampant like even just this past year in the headlines there's been just suicide after suicide after suicide and it just feels like that the system is broken like somewhere here um we're, we're just not getting it right because either we're holding pastors up to a standard that's not okay or they don't have the freedom to be human so can you speak into that a bit because in my worst days I would love to pretend that it's our system and it's because there's no women up there but that's not (laughs) true like I said it's it's a human problem um so could you speak into that like what what does that feel like yeah so on one of mine and I tell this story it happened three or four years ago I was in the middle of a sermon and I finally decided this was ridiculous and I was going to stop my sermon And I told my church what was happening. We had three services that morning. And this was my traditional crew. Everyone's in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I tell them what's happening. I hang my head. Tears are running down my cheeks. Mm. I close my eyes. Like, I had failed. So you're up there. 
Um, yeah. And you just start having a panic attack. Yeah. And so and I was trying to hold it together, trying to hold it together, thinking right. I can just read this thing and get out of here. Yeah. But I didn't. It's, I stopped. Right. And all of a sudden, I feel five or six hands on my shoulders and my head. Mm. And five or six people had come up and started praying for me. Mm. So that happens. They sit down. I look up and I'm like, I don't know if I can finish my sermon today. <laughs> and this 82-year-old in the second row pipes up. I think we had our sermon for today. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So at that moment, that's where everything shifted is mm -hmm. I, as the leader chose not to buy into this story that we just keep passing each other as leaders mm -hmm. that they can't ever really see us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And granted, I know there's boundaries and ethics and I, it is so important. And like, I never got a class at seminary that taught me it was okay to be myself. Yeah, yeah. neither did cool. I. Yeah. <laughs> None of us did. And so I honestly, I don't know. Sometimes I think it's also a value of our millennial generation. Yeah. That we really value authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so at, at that moment, I thought, whatever. I don't want to do this anymore if I can't be, the, if this part of me can't see the light of day. Mm -hmm. And once I was able to share it with them, now our church is on fire about reducing the stigma around mental illness. Mm. And we can talk about a million things in the middle of worship because I went first. Yeah. Wow. And then in the end of that, I'm the one that's saved because I'm free yeah. because yeah. now I can talk in appropriate ways about mm -hmm. what I'm learning about my mental health. And, mm -hmm. and there are still times I get caught back up in the story. Oh, they yeah. can't know. Oh, they no, that's a lie. Yeah. Gosh. And what a beautiful thing that it happened like in the middle of it. Like what a yeah. moment of grace there um, that it wasn't this something you had to come up like in a feeling like it was something you had to be ashamed of or whatever, but to be able to say like, Hey, this right now is happening. Um, and yeah. so what did it, um, and you said that was a shift in terms of saying, I just decided not to buy into that narrative anymore. Um, but what did that do in terms of, um, feeling isolated or any of the pressures you felt like, does that dismantle some of it? It did. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Brene Brown says in our circles, we call her St. Brene Brown. I know she's not perfect, <laughs> but, but man, she's, she's got close. some good stuff. Her books are good. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're solid stuff. She always says it's hard to, it's hard to hate people close up. Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. And that has been true for me and my colleagues. I started mm -hmm. to blog about this and write about it a few months after I kind of came out of some good healing time. And every single time was met with me too, me too, mm -hmm. me too. So now I'm like, okay, if it helps, I'll go first yeah. and I'll share this. Cause now it's just a story in my past. Like I still struggle with anxiety for sure, but it right. is not nearly as bad as it was. And so I'm like, we'll just keep going first. So yeah. I think that's what we're invited to do with vulnerability is, you know, we're all just trying to follow Jesus. We come at it from a million different perspectives and we're all holding things that we think if anyone finds out we're done. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and really when we can start to share some of those, like that's the work of discipleship, that's yeah. the work of accountability and yeah. let's actually practice that. So yeah. we, that is so good. And so what would you say to our pastor listeners who are like, I'm in hiding about anything, uh, but especially their mental illness and how I don't know how to be the first one. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure. What, what would you tell them? Gosh, that was me for so long. Mm -hmm. Like 
at somewhere, I just signed an agreement somewhere that no one could ever know. Mm. And granted, there's some imposter syndrome in there too. Like if anyone ever finds out that I don't know what I'm doing, right? Uh, that's like the worst thing in the world. And for me, if I was still in that place, what I would maybe want to hear. <sighs> the beautiful thing about Jesus is in the United Methodist tradition, we talk about provenient grace that God is at work in us before we're even aware. Mm -hmm. And that grace, oh gosh, it just kept calling me forward. And part of me would want to say that when I was stuck in it, I wish I could say, oh, God wasn't using me, but then God used me when I was free of Mm. the, of the hiding of that. But what's crazy is that God keeps using us even in the middle of our brokenness. We know that in theory, but it's hard to live. And so there's just beautiful, messy grace that even when we're hiding, God is still preaching through us Mm -hmm. and calling people into freedom, even when we're not free. And yet what is possible when we are willing to take that step that we invite everyone else to? Mm -hmm. Because it is so easy to teach stuff surprisingly and not be practicing it. Yeah, (laughs) like that, that just creeps me out how easy that is. And it happens in every field, right? Doctors maybe don't take care of themselves. Like it happens all over the place. But that, I guess at some point I just had this really internal decision and maybe it's because I'm an Enneagram one and like, I must be (laughs) just like pure and good. I thought I can't do this for another 30 or 40 years if I don't deal with this now. Mm. Um, The other part of my story is I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia Mm. uh, 20 years ago already, right about when I was 17. And, and I knew my body can only handle so much stress before I literally can't even hold a job. Mm-hmm. And so I just had kind of extenuating circumstances that made it impossible mm-hmm. to keep hiding it. Yeah. Wow. So Gosh. that's also unique. Yeah, yeah, that is unique. But also um, you connected the dots, which I think is unique. Some people would really see that separately. Um, like mm-hmm. I have okay. all this stress and I have this thing, but I also now have been diagnosed with this versus like, oh, one of these is affecting the other (laughs) and how can I put them together and how can I set them free from each other? Um, So I think that's a big thing too, is that you listened and you answered in Mm -hmm. like in a, in a very stressful in, you know, stereotypically inopportune moment to Mm. say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not in a good spot right now or whatever. And I think that the normal way to do that is to be like, take a breath and, and power through Mm-hmm. And be like, I'll deal with my, I'll deal with my stuff on the other side of these, this Sunday morning. And then by next Sunday or all, you know, next Sunday, I'll deal with next Sunday. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting because we, you know, regardless of your denomination, you've probably, everyone's always had those moments of like pastors, uh, encouraging you to feel the spirit and, and to, to react to this and that or that or this. And I wonder, it's, it's just, it's, it's just such an interesting thing to be. And, and you said at the beginning, the, the head and the heart. Mm-hmm. And the connection between those two things and uh, how confusing it can be to listen to one over the other rather than kind of letting both of them be in dialogue with each other, I think is such mm-hmm. an interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, and I was, I mean, that's part of what anxiety does is just traps you up in your brain that yeah. you think whatever you're, the whatever moment you're in right now will last forever. Yep. Yeah. And then your body just goes offline because yeah. it can't, you can't handle both. And so again, therapy 
death, resurrection, <laughs> Easter, all yeah. of the goodness, like, and that palms up thing gave yeah. me the practice, the muscle memory that I was always showing up and paying attention. And I was yeah. always showing up to stuff I didn't want to show up to. Right. But right. then I somehow knew in that rhythm. And I always like to say I'm, I'm addicted to resurrection because mm-hmm. like you get one breakthrough and you're, I just start chasing the next one. Mm-hmm. So actually yeah. what's weird about me, especially as an Enneagram one, who's always wanting to improve myself, right. my growth area is actually sometimes just to chill out and receive grace because mm-hmm. I'm good enough. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Gosh, you know, I was just reading this thing. Sometimes I read books about quantum physics, and <laughs> which is really you know. weird because if you knew, like, I'm not like typically, but for some reason, it's really caught me. So, anyways, um, <laughs> but you something I love all I love all thoughts and sentences that start this way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes I I, uh, I sit down, and crack yeah. open a nice book of quantum physics and it's like such a nerd um anyway so but something you just said uh reminded me of something i was reading today and it was saying like when your brain has a thought it develops a chemical and that chemical then goes to your body and then your body responds to that chemical because it's the body's goal is like i'm gonna my feeling in my body is gonna match what i'm thinking in my head And I was reading that and then I had remembered something my therapist had said, which she said, the reason why anxiety is so exhausting is that when you have a thought in your brain and like you just said, and it just like goes on a loop, um, your whole body responds chemically and with its feelings and emotions and even just physically as to what it would be like to actually live that moment out. Mm. And so when you're done with a panic attack or something like that, like your body and brain thinks it's literally lived that out. And um, when that hat, when someone said that to me, that was a moment for me to be like, Oh yeah, I I gotta fix this because I am so weak and so tired. I can't show up for my own life. And like you said, um, having something that alerted you and that's the other thing I want to say about when Tim said that too about like when we're in services and people are like what the spirit's saying I love that because you were in the rhythm of showing up and paying attention is that I think sometimes we have and especially in my upbringing in the evangelical church this idea that the spirit moving is always going to be like with this swell of music and like this beautiful way and it's going to like call me to this big thing but for you because you're in practice because you have the rhythm of showing up and paying attention you saw gosh the spirit's moving here right now like in the middle of this really hard hard time and that in itself is an invitation not like i'm pushing this away and i'm going to find the good invitation of like no there is good here and there's something to respond to in this moment um and so maybe the pastor is like i would love to where can we point them to palms up because i would love to have that be something that um, someone can look up and like find a rhythm um, for Mm -hmm. all of us but where can we find that and then um, I would be loving if you could give us ways that this could help us in conversations when we all don't agree we're heading into that lovely election season and um, that feels relevant. <laughs> I hear you. That's a fantastic question, friend. Uh, but first, yeah. So I am just responding to this increased invitation only in the last three or four months okay. that this palms up thing wants to take up more room in the world. 
and I've been already battling it for two years, kind of telling it to shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, can you go away now? I have stuff to do in my job. I don't know what the deal is, <laughs> but like, it's ridiculous how clear spirit has been to say, Jenny, this is a thing. And if you're willing to steward it, like, here we go. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. So, um, just did a new website and it's palms oh, up. It's palms up.co. Okay. Everyone thinks it's .com, but it's not. It's .co. .co. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Jenny Smith Writes okay. and post about it a lot there every day. And I'm going to do a Palms Up Leadership podcast later this year. Oh, fun. And Bonnie, you're going to visit me on that. Oh, yay. That would be awesome. I would love that. I, I better get in the rhythm though. That's so right. Should... <laughs> you better start practicing. <laughs> I should do that. Yeah. So like, and, ta- yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say some of these things like um, we can do it for big things, but I always say and I always think like the way I do everything is the way the way I do anything is the way I do everything. everything. So how can I show up to um, with this contemplative stance to some of these hard topics that we don't want to show up to? Honestly, I hear you. Yeah, there's um, some headlines that I still stick my head in the sand. Like it's just yeah. all so much. So for me, I whenever I kind of remember to practice, right? Which is sometimes five times a day. Sometimes it's once a week. Um, it is very much a, okay, taking a deep breath and whatever's going on in front of me, I'm going to show up for it. Mm. And then the first step for me is mess and all. Like, I don't mm. wait till I feel great. I don't wait till I'm in the right headspace. I'm just like, oh, boom, right now, snap. What's going on around me? I'm going to show up. Mm. And then once I'm there, it's very much this deeper inner scene, which is the, to me, the heart and eyes and mind of Christ, like what is going on around me? What are the headlines I, I want to ignore? And here I'm going to actually click through this article and read it to the end. Uh, where, who's the person in front of me who is a huge distraction today? And I really wish they would, you know, remove themselves from my bubble. And yet they're right here and I get to pay attention to that. And so it's just all this, like, I call it like we become expert noticers Mm-hmm. of all of these little details of our life and people. And then when we can choose to cooperate with God, we only do that because we realize that God's already here. Okay. So this is my favorite part of Palms Up actually is cooperate with God. And here's why. I think a lot of us grew up with this sense that we are missionaries and that we are to take God to people. Yes. And my totally. life changed the day I realized that God was already there. Mm. <laughs> like yeah. God is already everywhere. God is already at work in everyone's life, whether they know it or not, or they even call it God love. Right. Get that simple love is alive in the world. And so the pressure is off because I'm not bringing God to people anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just noticing that God's already doing something and I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to mm-hmm. co-create. I'm going to join with. And the moment I realized that so much stress fell away. Mm. Cause God's already throwing the party and I just get to like join in mm-hmm. and then we release outcomes all over the place, which then releases for me, it gives God so much room to work mm-hmm. because I'm not marching in with my own agenda and my own preference and ma- manipulation, manipulating the situation. So releasing the outcome has helped so much. It doesn't mean we're not responsible. So that can yeah. get a little nuanced. Um, but yeah, just that rhythm man, it helps Mm -hmm. so much when I don't agree with people because I'm able, it gives me that extra moment of contemplation to sit back and realize, but God, you could be talking through this person. Right. To you. And maybe they have something for me and it's not just my agenda at work here. And it really just makes you a student of your life, Mm -hmm. which then gosh, 
I feel so much more fully alive that way. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And seeing it as such um, an invitation to grow and to engage and to learn um, and to co-create, like you said, um, what a more beautiful stance than I'm coming mm. in this knowing we're going to disagree and knowing we're going to uh, butt heads and it's not going to end well. So yeah, and I like that. I, I really like that. No agenda. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, you can hear the response being that it does that it, uh, that you're trying to avoid responsibility, but you can see that the, it just, the responsibility changes a ton Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't decrease. It just, it, the focus is very it's different. different. Mm-hmm. And I like that too, because it, you can see the agenda just, you know, as all of us have grown up and it sounds like various forms of ministry, uh, man, those agendas are, can be real mm. buzz killers. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> kind of just take the, take the air out of the room sometimes. And yeah. so I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And that really works too in those hard conversations of being there. And, um, you know, we are such a polarized country politically, but we're also the Christian, faith is also so fragmented and polarized and we could all do with a little bit more intentional listening or intentional conversation and right yeah and and contemplation yeah yeah Yeah. i use it all the time in meetings because as one of the senior leaders in the room i've got a plan totally (laughs) i've got I've, i've got a preference here and so just oh my gosh the lesson in humility every single time to just take a deep breath at some point in that meeting and go, Jenny, let it go. Yeah. And often we may wander around to where I would have taken it anyways, but, but it right. felt like I didn't steer it. And yeah. so maybe that was the spirit at work in the room and yeah. people moved that way together. And it happens so often, so often that now I just trust it mm. so yeah. much. That's cool. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big nitpicker. And I, there was years of church where I just sat there and was angry and picked apart sermons and, and just never grew or learned a thing mm-hmm. and finally came to a place where I was like, I like I'd be in church and if I was distracted or felt myself frustrated, I would just stop and pray. Even if it was 10 or 15 times during a service, I'd just be like, I know you're here. I yeah. know you're working. I know you have, you have something you'd like to do here. And it may be a, a million different things for a million people, or maybe one thing I don't, you know, but I want to be, present and open and aware of that and participate mm-hmm. in that and not just have an idea in my head of what it should be and then get nothing yeah <laughs> yes yeah yes. Like, i can't believe and... that i didn't learn about x y and z in there and everyone's <laughs> looking at you like why are you so mad <laughs> well i think it's so interesting you know you, there's just different this it, this is such a great conversation and great idea and i, I would love to like I, I didn't go to seminary, but I, you know, have gathered as much that this is not a, uh, is not something that this is not a class you take. Right. <laughs> no. And, 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 uh, you, you hear, you read about that in different professions. Like there's certain things that they just don't carve out time for it. And it always ends up kind of being self-care to a certain yes. extent, like <laughs> yes, different always. versions of self-care for, you know, in, intense people that work in you know, intensive care units in the hospital and different things. Like there's just, they're doing these profound works, but there's just not a lot of space to make sure that they are healthy and thriving. And it'd be such a great, like if we could integrate these, these kind of thoughts and this kind of intentions, at, like in like year one of seminary or even yeah. uh, not even that, like year one of Sunday school. 
Right. Mm. Yeah. Like, you well, know, way before the ministry. Yeah. 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 And what's crazy. So we start every single worship service with this big, deep breath in and out and everyone's got their hands up if they want as palms up. And so now our little kids have totally picked all of that up and parents will send me pictures of them at home at dinner, eyes closed with their hands, palms up. And so they get this more than we do because the kids are so trusting anyways. They don't need to unlearn that that yet. (laughs) Something um, about the heart of a child. I know. Right, I want right. to be a kid at Someone your church. Once. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They're so smart. I know. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Jenny, yeah. thank you so much for being on here and yeah, sharing your you. wisdom. And um, I'm so excited to start this in my life. I'm always looking for more ways that I can soften myself because I can um, do a lot without thinking. So <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to Me put too. this into my life and I hope you guys yeah. follow her and we'll put all of your links and things like that on the, on the show notes Great. and on social media so people can find you. But Hey, also so, to put you on the spot. So, um, Mike used to read this blessing and I can't remember the blessing for the life of me. And Tim has done a good job writing it down, but I would love if you could send us off with like a little benediction or a blessing or something like that for us and our listeners. Got it. You got it. Yes. And I'm going to sit with my palms up because I would love to. <laughs> Your palms up. You yeah. got it, girl. Okay. <laughs> uh, may we leave from this moment in the grace and peace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <sighs> Knowing that we are loved just exactly as we are in this ridiculous moment, mess and all. And knowing that spirit invites us to projects and ways of being and relationships and postures and freedom that we can only begin to imagine. May we this week and these days to come trust God with so much courage and so much joy. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you for having me. 